Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast, where Josh and Adrian talk about various marketing topics on our minds. This week, we are very excited to have back Camille Rexton from 42 Agency, and we're going to talk about a few things. But Josh, tell us tell us what's on your mind this week. Uh, let's see. What's on my mind is, well, Camille's back. It's good to have him back. I know we had a, a few weeks ago. So it's great to bring him on and actually pick his brain a little. I think we want to kind of put him under the hot seat from we didn't talk much about what 42 agency did but right. here's our chance to kind of squeeze every little bit of juicy details out of him who had that he runs a performance marketing agency or is that yes. how you would describe it even that's an interesting point because we actually <laughs> interviewed our customers and we asked them how do you define performance marketing and everybody had different answers but yeah. the the main common thread was it all comes to growth so like okay. we're debating if we want to be a performance marketing agency or a growth agency. I don't know. We, we're mm -hmm. figuring those pieces out. <laughs> we're working on our positioning, but uh, it's like everybody defines, like you ask people demand generation, it's like different things for different people. And can but, I tell you why I'm really excited to have him back on, Josh? Can I give you a little of my insight? Sure. So um, I've known Camille for a couple, a few years now. We've been in the same marketing circles on Twitter had numerous conversations. Like I have his phone number. We will text and I'll call him if like whatever, Aww. if I've got questions that come up. Um, so pure, like nice guy and not in like the, I'm calling myself a nice guy, nice guy kind of way, like actual legitimately kind human never wants to talk about himself, the agency. And it <laughs> doesn't want to like talk about any type of like six, like any accomplishment. So anytime he does, you will probably see me commenting underneath like, yes, share that. Absolutely. Don't like, don't hold back on this part. Um, when he tweeted, like, I don't know if I should talk about my successes. I was honest and genuine when I said you would be doing other people a disservice if you don't share what you've learned along the way. Cause you're so like just genuinely good human who knows this space and who's learned a lot I'm of hard and, lessons. <laughs> I'm blushing under my yeah. beard right now. But like learned just, a lot of I hard just see lessons. Great. It's good to share. So that's why I'm really excited to have him, and specifically on this topic. So I think that's good. It's, it's about time. I think it's my uh, South Asian upbringing because we're brought up, like, keep your head down, do the work, don't bring attention to yourself. Yeah. And I think in the, like, now that I'm in Canada and the Western part of the world, it's, like, a bit different because if you don't talk about yourself, nobody knows about you. Right. So, like, and that's, like, that's why I'm, I get really uncomfortable talking about myself. Yeah. We're going to breach that. We're going to, we're going to push the uncomfortable a bit today. So just a little. Yeah. Bit. So yeah, let's start with a, a couple of stories. So I know you're saying you're doing all kinds of interesting stuff for what you can share. What do you, what do you, what do you want to talk about? What are some of the wins or interesting things you've come up with customers? Like, you know, tell us, tell yeah. us some, some fun stories. So, I mean, I started myself five years ago, so I've been, like, this is all team. This is not me. Right. Like, I want to give credit to the team. But I think one thing I don't talk about enough is how strong of a creative team we have. So our art director, Alejandra, she's brilliant. She was an illustrator. She's an art major. She does illustrations, but now she's learning about B2B SaaS. And that's been fun for her. And I think we we are able to do incredible creative work because we we're not, we are able to, she's able to tie the brand and the outcomes and like the bigger story. So mm -hmm. she's not like a graphic designer, if you know what I mean. Like she takes a very holistic point of view. I think that, and when it comes to performance marketing, I think creative is highly underrated. I think the the time when you were like, 
I'm going to do manual bidding on these keywords or I'm going to do like that time is over because the machines have gotten so much more smarter than what we can possibly do. So I think creative becomes one of your core differentiators. And I think a lot of performance agency or growth agency or whatever you want to call them, they don't have strong creative. And I think that's something that we are sort of doubling down on, on our side as well. So we have a creative team of like three, four designers now. So we're trying to like build out that function more because it's, it can make a big difference. So like one creative story is like we had a customer which was selling like um, free trial, you know, like not enterprise sales. We were running some creative, which was doing pretty well, but like we just like, we took a different approach to creative. We we did some darker backgrounds. We did some like more illustration with photos and the CPA halved in like a week. Mm-hmm. So just like, it was just the fact that when you're on Facebook, you have a white background if you have a lighter background, it blends into the background of, you know, so like stuff like that. There's, well, we do a lot of um, AdWords, LinkedIn, Facebook. A lot of people are against gated content. I've said about this before, but like we actually have seen people, our customers generate opportunities from gated content. Yeah. Now you can't like, I'm not saying you should get all content, but like, we have a customer in the HR space where like it was very relevant to the audience, right? It wasn't like um, some vague ebook about XYZ. It was like really specific to the problem they solve. So people who were downloading that piece of content, we were getting them at like um, $80 per lead. I know lead is a dirty word in this context, so I apologize (laughs) for that. But like even 5% of those converted to an opportunity worth like, five figures then that cost per opportunity is still so much lower so like it just like even if the conversion rate is five percent to me it's worth it because if five percent of those people convert into opportunities and you close like a handful of them it pays back for everything so we have those situations uh we had a customer where they came to us and they were like our facebook ads are broken it's not working yada 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 we managed to turn it around and like they we just had a call with them last week and they said this like the last two weeks were the best weeks we've ever had in terms of like new account activations you had a good week last week on facebook just for those listening it's like late april and all i see on twitter is how bad facebook ads are like broken yes didn't they have that big they big old thing where they just even not not for b2b not for any of you guys okay i think mostly that was d to c oh okay i was like my goodness good for you um, I did want to say, though, Camille, I have completely changed my mind on gated content in the last like six months to a year because I used to be one of those markers who was like, never. Why? Don't do it. Like there are better ways to serve your audience. But I've been converted by the by the church of gate the content, mostly because what I realized I hated was not so much the gate itself, not so much the getting my email address, but it was two things. The content that I sacrificed my it for, like was awful. I'm like, what was the point of this? So bad content made me mad. And then their follow-up. I was like, I'm not a good lead. Like what you just gave me. And then now what you're trying to sell me on, there's such a huge mismatch. I'm not a great lead. So then you're just creating a lot of friction essentially. So I agree. If you can do it well, like that's where it's not a shame. Like, yeah, absolutely. Gate that. If you're getting $80 leads and 5%, like that's, those are great numbers. I would think. Like you have to make it specific to the problem your product solves and the what your people you're trying to sell to are probably like we have a client that is in the compliance and privacy space. Yeah. So there's always like state laws coming out. So like, hey, guide for 
compliance in XYZ state because of this new GDPR, GDPR result, but like some California privacy law or Canada has somewhat rolling out. And we're actually like the content is good because they know what they're talking about because they come from compliance background. The people who download it are the right kind of people. So like if I was to download that content, absolutely, I should not be reached out to. Like I run an agency, I have nothing to do with compliance. Like I'm not, I'm not your ICP. Yeah. But if your ICP is coming in downloading their contact, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, sorry, download this content. We do this. If you're ever interested, I'm here as a resource. Right. You don't have to like slam them with emails. <laughs> you don't have to like, I know back in my in-house days, like we, and like it worked 10 years ago. I'm not saying it like it was bad, but it was like every single lead that came in went straight to sales. They went put into a sales sequence and something came out the other end. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not the best experience, but saying like, hey, so you don't have this piece of content, you know, I'm here. That's it. And yeah. like, that's, I don't like people are so sensitive. Like, I, I think it's because marketers tend to think everybody else thinks like them and everybody else behaves like them. Yeah. But like marketers are not always marketing to other marketers. So like you have to take into consideration who you're marketing to. Like maybe it's actually how the you know, like freemium. I know this is a sidebar, but like not every product needs to be a freemium thing because I remember I was working at an early stage company called Organimi. They're still around. They're like, they're pretty, they're doing pretty well. This was like, I'm dating myself here, but it was like 12 years ago. Oh, wow. I'm getting old. So <laughs> we had a free product. You sign up, you do whatever you want with it. It was to build org charts for HR teams. I spent two hours on the phone with the lady who was in her mid forties, who couldn't figure out how to work the product because she was just not technically sufficient in that yeah. way. And for her, it was a disservice that we had a free trial. She'd rather rather sit with me on the phone so I can screen share, show her how the product works. And she's like, okay, this makes sense. I can use it. So I think there's like a bias of ourselves that if we, if I like freemium, other people like freemium. Not really. We had a customer yep. where we actually, they were selling to accountants and bookkeepers. Like they're so busy. They're not, they don't want to sit and learn a new product. They just want you to show them for 20 minutes. And if it works for them, great. They'll buy it. If it doesn't work, they won't buy it. Like, so same with gated content, same with anything. Like it can work if it's done well. Like we do like part of our, when we sign up with a new client, like we do have a mid-funnel campaign that we run because it's still valuable to get those people in your database and just build a relationship with them. Like you don't have to sell to them right away, but it's an opportunity to build that relationship, especially if you have a longer sales cycle. Yeah. I'm not saying like Notion shouldn't get content because it doesn't make sense for them because they were like credit card, self-service, boom, you're in. But for like an IT compliance tool or, you know, identity management tool, it totally makes sense because it's a longer sales cycle. It's much more of a process. Your TAM, certain percentage of your TAM is not in a buying cycle right now. Why not just give them something that's helpful so you can over time build that relationship and build that brand affinity with them. So like we do a lot of that and that's part of our playbook. And I'm not ashamed to say it because I think it works. (laughs) A lot of people are like, oh, just like get a content is a dirty word. I'm like, like we're getting like $80 a lead, like for one customer, we're getting $30 a lead for LinkedIn. Wow. Like LinkedIn is insane. Like LinkedIn, I've never seen under 500. Like on average, yeah. anything on LinkedIn is under 500 plus. We're getting like $30 a lead on LinkedIn for mid funnel campaigns, not demo, bottom of funnel. This is like mid funnel. If I got $30 for bottom of funnel, I'm like making a course about it. Um, King, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a so couple like, a couple of things that you've been mentioning that I really want to put my finger on. One, because you're performance oriented and you're getting all these different clients, so you get a wide diversity of different 
clients marketing to different people, right? And I think that's a point you made about, you know, marketers today, or you look on Twitter and LinkedIn or whatever. And of course, your circle, the circles of marketers are following other marketers. And if a marketer doesn't like something or spouts off, and I've seen messages like this before, and I just hold my tongue and stay away. But someone's like, I'm tired of seeing the word modern. Modern marketers don't work. Or easy, putting easy in front of everything. And people, all the marketers are like, yeah, I'm tired of seeing that. But maybe for marketers, but not if that company is selling to SMB or that company is selling to compliance selling it to a grandma and saying easy and like, you don't need to do anything and I'll do it for you. Like those words mean something to someone in a totally different industry that hasn't seen that before. It's we're only tired of it because we see it all the time because we're, our heads are in that, in that sphere. So I love that you look at the numbers, you back your stuff by these things. You have to, because you're proving it to your, 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 your customers. Um, But I'd also like to add early on, you mentioned, is it, what was what was her name that was the illustrator again? Alejandra. Alejandra, right? And like now I'm seeing a pattern with you, right? You have Alejandra and you also have is it uh Sebastian or who's the yep, the, the writer? <laughs> like you have these eclectic pulled from different yeah. talent pools, not the norm, which I think is great, especially in marketing, because it's so easy to get in our echo chambers and not want to test things because it's like, or listen to what people are saying on Twitter and LinkedIn and let that influence how we market. But you've pulled heads and talent from different areas that bring these different perspectives. You have Sebastian who does all this like, you know, research and deep, deep dives and things like that. And, and an illustrator that is not just like, Hey, I'm just working in Canva. That's all I've known. And I'm doing templates, all the templates that are there. And I'm just spitting out the same, uh, splash images and the same little yeah. like you know goofy whatever this called uh like that, that mailchimp made popular yeah. i think you know the the geometric shaped colored people, people and things like that and and so you're getting you know which the point of marketing is to to like you know break the eye or break the the train yeah. of thought and to get get a pattern interrupt right so yeah. if you have more creative people that are doing different things and you're there at your disposal for your clients and your customers. Like, I think that's a, it's interesting to see patterns now, how you built your agency. Yeah. And, and it was not a conscious choice. It was a happy accident. Oh, so wow. mm-hmm. I met Sebastian because I was hiring a project manager. He wasn't quite the right fit for the project management role. We got to talking. We had really good chemistry. He's like, oh, I'm from an anthropology background. I'm like, I've never talked to an anthropologist before. Tell me more about what right. you guys do. Right. And sort of like I came back to him a couple of weeks later. I'm like, I've been sitting on this idea for an essay about Atlassian and like how did the whole freemium model and like I think there's, and I'm like, could you just go and research it and write something? And like that was the birth of 42 Slash, which is now like mm-hmm. its own little newsletter with 2,000 subscribers and like, and then he knew Alejandra and then we were like, we need illustrations for the essay because if we're going to put out this essay, it's going to be well written. We can't just put stock photos on it. I'm like, let's put some right, nice illustrations. Right. And that's how Alejandra came into the picture. So it's been like this series of happy accidents. And now that I look back on it, I think there was like, I'd like to think there was some strategic foresight on my part. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like 10 years in the future. I'm going to, no, it was like, my hair is on I'm going to put out this job post for a project manager, but really I want an anthropologist, but I'm not going to put that in the requirements. But you know what <laughs> so it is? You felt you followed your curiosity. I mean, like point blank. That's what was 
that if I would say to your credit, Camille, building and allowing to follow your curiosity, it's still a good move. Yeah, thank you. We just had a second anthropologist and uh, she's been doing some qualitative research for us and it's been like mind-blowing. It's I just like, that. so like I, we, I see these, like I'm starting to see the value in these, in this kind of an approach because I think it sets us apart from, I'm not like performance marketing, I think is going to change in the next five years quite yeah. a lot. And I'm just hedging our bets for when that happens because I don't want 42 to be like a flash in the pan. Flash in right. the pan. Like, I'm sort of like, initially when I started, I'm like, ah, I'm going to do this for like solo. I'll do it and I'll get a job eventually. Like, fuck it. Like, this is too tiring. But like, as this boss tried to roll, I'm like, okay, this is kind of becoming something. And now we're like 15, 20 people. I'm like, okay, I can't just like walk away from this thing now. Like, this is too right. big for yeah. I can't just be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> so, I got tired. I don't want to think about yeah. it anymore. Y'all go find some way, other way to, you know, pay your bills. <laughs> well, you did walk away though. You walked away for a month, right? True. Like on your I did, trip I recently. Did Yes. So we yes. have a lot of founders that listen and stuff too. So it'd be interesting how how did that oh, yeah. work out with oh, your wow. team? How did you set this up? How did that how do you get to that 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 level? So <laughs> I got to so I'll say I started the company five years ago, but the company itself started around three years ago when I hired Eugene and I started building more of a team. Mm-hmm. But for the longest part I've been like so sent or I've thought okay, I haven't been, but I've considered myself so central to the business i was like i just need to be on top of every single thing and then this is a funny story so a friend of mine i've known him for from since high school he's in pakistan ali he's gonna listen to this i've known him for like 20 years now so he ran a factory he had a family business of like a plastic factory in pakistan so that factory so got sold and stuff and we were talking and i'm like well, I'm doing this thing and I kind of need somebody to help me manage operations and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. And at that time, we were working with Mallory, who was a contractor and now she's full-time in-house. And she was like, I have this project manager, but like, and she's great, but I just need somebody to like build out more of an operational process. And because you have factory experience, like, so he sort of gave me a lot of feedback. Carlos, who's like one of my senior strategists, like gave me a lot of feedback, like, you you just need to back off sometimes because you, I we don't got get, this. Get out of here. Like, yeah, like you don't have to like manage every single thing yourself. Like you don't have to be so paranoid that if I don't reply to somebody, if I don't do something, it's never going to happen. Like, and then Ali's, Ali and I, like we sat down and like, we're going to build a system where the system does the work. So you're not, you're not the, like, it has to be bigger than you. Yeah. So we were at that point where I was confident, like the, it was still scary as hell, but I just deleted Slack off my phone. I deleted email off my phone. I changed my SIM card. So I couldn't even get the two-factor authentication code. So I was like, wow. <laughs> Your SIM, and that's deep. Like you went all, that's in. Commit. I went like cold turkey. Yeah. I just like, I went to cold turkey. And to my honest surprise and joy and delight, like the team kind of took what we had done and like leveled up so much because I think I wasn't giving them space to grow. Mm-hmm. because if that makes sense, because I was yeah. like sort of always like, you, you know, I wasn't letting them do their thing. I was always telling them like, oh, we should do it this way instead of like just leaving the conversation open and let people fill in the gap. So I wasn't, and that when I created that vacuum, the team kind of just stepped up. Like they were like, we we have to like, you know, you give them space to grow, they yeah. grow into it. And I wasn't giving them space. And so that was my biggest mistake is like, I was being too, 
whatever. Like I was keeping it too close to my chest. Yeah. And was that a resp- like a, not to like really probe and go into a therapy session? But do you think that was a motive, or your motive was more fear based? Like if you're not involved, something will go wrong, and then the whole yes, hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And if you're acting or reacting or acting out of fear, there's no way for for growth to happen, right? Like you've got to yeah. step back and yeah. change your mind. So we have a like I've been intentional about building a culture of open feedback and like I'm always like give me feedback on what I'm doing wrong what I can do better and like the team is always set up to reactive Mm. so I'll always like react to a situation maybe in haste and coming from a place of fear versus taking some time thinking about it and then like you know coming up with a better solution so like if like an example like we were behind targets on one of our customers like our target was 15 demo leads and we were at like three and it was midway through the month. And I was like fucking freaking out. And like, and I just like, okay, when I'm not going to freak out, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to let the team, like, I'm going to point this out to the team that this is an issue. Let's figure out how to do it. Now in the last month, we made up the difference. We're not at quite at 15 yet, but we are at 11 or 12 as of today, which is great. So like yeah. we're closer, we're better than three. We're not as CTS three. Now, May is another whole conversation because we have more aggressive targets and we need to figure out how to hit those aggressive targets. But when I gave the team space to be like, here's the problem and I don't have a solution, let's figure it out. And everybody kind of came up with their own, like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. And it was less me telling them what to be, what needs to be done. And they were just like solving the problem. Yeah. And then they have ownership in the solution at the end. Yeah. They're not just task yeah. people going and doing a yeah. task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's good growth. You said you came back and it was different though. Like, what was it? You said, when I came back, it almost looks like we're working for a different company. Like, what were some things that surprised you most when you came back? We had new sales material. We had these weekly decks. So reporting has been something we struggle with. Like, we used to run reporting out of Databox only. Mm -hmm. But with Databox only, you don't get the context of the numbers. So we... We stopped using Databox and as an isolated solution, we started using Notion to create like these notes for like what's working, what's not working. But that was a lot of work and didn't have the numbers. It was only like context. So then when I came back, the team had just like, now we have a process where the operations team builds the report for every client every day. And it's a nice, beautiful deck that has the Databox stuff because the Databox stuff, they know how to grab the numbers from Databox and like the strategies that they need to go and like, copy paste a bunch of numbers like the operations team builds that deck sends it to the strategist they add in their notes and now we have this like organized process and the deck is like so much better than the notion shit i was doing before nice so so like stuff like that they worked on some uh operational planning mapping they worked on some sales material they worked on some one pages and they worked on some internal processes and i'm like okay somebody onboard me to this stuff because i don't know what this (laughs) new stuff is or not. And you just kind of sit back and like, I'm going to work on something else. I'm going to work on yeah. other strategy things. And I had this moment where I'm like, so my Carlos on my team, like actually closed a customer to while I was away. I'm like, but what am I supposed to do now? Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, what do you, am I, am I out of a job? Like, what is this? <laughs> and that's a point though. I think that's the point. You eventually build and work yourself to where you are out of, at, at some point, like a little bit, or what was it? De- uh, Bezos said you're five years ahead. You're constantly thinking yeah. like so far ahead yeah. that you can't be in the day-to-day operations. 
Yes. And I'm I'm I like I don't want to be that agency owner that completely disapp- like you know there's like right. like Golfing I don't want to be that guy day. who's or like making videos on LinkedIn and like doesn't know what's happening with their customers like I'm always like uh I'm always in my cus- like customer conversations and like stuff and like I'm always aware of what's happening because I think it's important to maintain that connection. Yeah. Because I tell my I always tell my team that the customer comes first because they pay our salary. Like <laughs> we we can't fuck that up. <laughs> like that's, there's no way. Yeah, that's the place to start. That's good. That's a good it'll be nice for you to like almost redefine this role and figure out okay, now where do I sit and what is what do my days look like if I'm not micromanaging and yeah. sweating over every little bitty thing like i'm not in facebook building campaigns anymore so what what am i what am i what should i do with my hands i don't know what to do somebody tell me what to do <laughs> well i like the point you made so earlier you're talking about you know you don't even know what ha- in five years performance marketing is going to be different so i'd love to hear more about that not necessarily now but those are the things that i think you know you sitting in the seat of being like hey my team is handling the day-to-day I can think about what is going to happen in five years or what I think is going to happen so that we can position 42 to not be yeah. into that, into that grind or go into that, uh, that area that may not be there in five years. But, and that, that's kind of how I think about it for my business as I've been, you know, getting, get out of more day-to-day stuff. It's like, how do I think further out? How do I think about where are the leverage points that, only the person with the, like the full picture of the whole everything could mm-hmm. kind of see or let yeah. me push on this is this is this operating at a local max or is this actually a real max is this yeah. you know constrained by other resources and 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 I think you know you have a a good brain for all those things and to look at all those scope but it can free you from some of those things um and it sounds like you know that's that that probably could be more fun because for me, a lot of it is like, that's kind of why I started. Like why I want, <laughs> I want to think about those things. I, I want to be, I want to and definitely still understand the pulse of customers and work on solving problems. Um, but at the same time, thinking two, yeah. three years out versus just two, three days or two, three hours out. <laughs> so Yeah. And like, it's a balance for me. Like I like the technical stuff. I want to know what's happening. I like the hands-on stuff, but also like, we're investing more in our creative side. We're investing more in our brand, like building out those capabilities. What does that look like? What resources do we need? How do we package and price that? How do we sell that? Because I think there was, a, in the past, like in the past two years, there was like more specialist agencies. So you're like only doing X and mm-hmm. like it was fine. But I yeah. think with the market, what it is right now, a lot of people are like, I don't want to go to 10 different agencies to get creative and brand and marketing ops and SEO and content and this and that. I just want somebody to give it like package it up and just, I want to deal with one person and I, I want to position ourselves for success in that kind of a market. So that's like sort of what I'm like, we think about new service lines and experiment, like qualitative research. Could we package that up and sell that to some customers? Could we mm-hmm. add in some, like we, Sebastian does amazing content. Can we somehow package that up and sell that as a service? Not Sebastian, but like the, you know, the process. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in a box and ship him. Put him in a box now. and ship him. <laughs> no, but I think that's good. Like, I think there's, there's probably a fine line where you get into where it looks like you're not the agency. Someone comes and knocks on the door and is like, do you do that? I do that. I do everything. Like you become yeah, the yeah, everything yeah, store yeah. type of thing, but yeah. there's a balance, right? There's, there's synergies. Hate that word, but I still have to use it. <laughs> but like that crossover between a lot of the things you're doing, because let's say, you know, building a landing page, having creative. So copywriting, 
you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how demand gen, how that stuff is all going to flow. It's the same thought process of moving people uh, in a flow, right? So, and, and having the creative sides of it. So it's like, but building landing pages are just for ads, right? Or, yeah. and you talked about lead magnets and you've talked about all these other pieces, but I think you also do ops, which isn't, I yeah. think is common, right? Like yeah. that's something where most agencies kind of just like, well, we'll run that stuff. We'll just give you the reports, but like, uh, yeah, CRM stuff. We just, we just like operate over here and then, you know, yeah. you can yeah. get the stuff in and maybe we'll look at that. But I think that that's a big value add for you. Cause I, the yeah. number of people that, don't have their, I mean, we're already cursing because so we curse, yeah. so shit together, right? <laughs> in, the, yeah. in their in their ops, like that's that's probably you know a, a, a bountiful area of just gaining trust, actually helping them really understand their business. Because yeah. a lot of people, you know, don't even use like if they're using Salesforce, the number of clients we've run into that aren't even using like the opportunity object. And it's like, everything's contact and a status through a contact. Yeah. And it's just stuff like, you're like, uh, yeah, but it's just set up that way. We have some custom stuff and, oh, and you're no. just like, wow. Custom stuff right? like it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but there's plenty of people out there that had something, uh, yeah. that got it going, um, is what they have, but they, they lose visibility on a lot of the stuff because they're, or, yeah. or they can't just plug in some application because it, doesn't speak the right, uh, the right objects yep. and the right things for them. So, well, and what a strong way to retain customers and upsell. So you sold them yes. on one thing, and then now once they're yep. in your ecosystem, you're like, now look at all that we can do. Like you may not publicly talk about, you know, your A to Z offerings. We don't even talk about the customers. So our, one of our customers was like, oh, we're doing a HubSpot cleanup, so we have to make these changes, and I'm like we do HubSpot work like hello like, we can help <laughs> right because and i'm terrible at that so like yes we we we, we so marketing customers... so you're bad at marketing <laughs> the commoner's the commoner's shoes has no shoes himself or whatever the same right. so yeah. Like, yeah i know yeah. i know so but what are but, okay let's let's play that game for a second like i'm yes. listening and i'm like man that camille guy he sounds real smart what kind of things can people come in if and you service, what do we need? We've talked a little about creative ops. Like what are some of your services? If, if you have those packages? So, yeah, let's say what are, what are your top three best and what are the two you shouldn't do? So let's like, like okay. levels for both of them. Like top three, one you're like, you're like, you know, top 1% on and the other ones you're like, yeah, go somewhere else. We're not, we're not good at that. I think uh, marketing ops, rev ops, like HubSpot, part of Salesforce work. I think we're really good at that. Uh, we're good at the paid media stuff. We have an amazing team. Uh, we don't just like throw, you know, look at this cost per click. We're kind of like tying that back to revenue. And part of the reason we do ops is it gives us that full funnel view of what's actually happening on the funnel so we can like get that feedback loop. And creative. And creative, we haven't really spun out as a service before. We are trying to do it as a standalone thing. So like creative used to be like bundled in with like our demands and service offerings. So like, you buy our demand gen package, you need ad creative and landing pages, we do it as a part of it because the performance of the paid campaigns is highly dependent on the quality of the creators of the landing pages. Yeah. Now we're sort of like throwing it out there as its own thing that we don't have to run your paid campaigns, we don't have to do these things, We you just need creative, we can provide you creative. So like creative as a service kind of a thing. We are not good at or what we're exploring right now is I think there's an opportunity for like early stage companies to take them from zero to one. I think there's a, we had like a prospect call, they were early stage and they're like, there's no agency that works with an early stage company. 
and there are like advisors and like Asia does a little bit of this, but there's like, they need that, they need brand, they need to define their brand, their visual identity, they need a new website build. I don't think we're going to go that deep. Did you say it's because you but, usually don't have budget? Did you say like, did you say that? Yeah, <laughs> but like in this case, they had the, the they had a successful real estate business that were, they were using to fund their SaaS offering. Yeah, okay, there you go. So it's like we're trying to find that balance. Typically, so they had budget, but at the same time, it's hard to, you know, there's a stat like an order you have to do some things where it's, it's very circular. So it's sort of like, what should we do first? We do this, and it's yes. half of that might you might spend more time educate in education, yeah, uh, yep. and also yep. in skill sets that you may not have on your team to just go and deploy yep. and run one of your playbooks, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So like before, we can we could run paid campaigns for them we had to like define their brand and visual identity and the website and the landing page. Right. like that's a lot of work that needs to go yeah. product marketing positioning messaging what are you selling who are you selling to like mm -hmm. we don't do that stuff so right uh but we are exploring like can we expand our creative into a brand offering that we can expand it to maybe potentially mm -hmm. i don't know we don't do seo we probably should so we're exploring that right now we we do a little bit of qualitative research as part of our onboarding, as part of our demand gen offering right now. Should we? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. What does that look like? Is that product marketing? We don't want to go into product marketing because that should be owned by somebody internal. But we have an excellent anthropologist who, who has a market research background. So maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so like this. Like, <laughs> but if I was to sum it up, if you're a Series A plus startup and you're like spending, like our, because our retainers started like 10 to 12K a month. So like if you're spending less than, on, less than that on paid media, if I'm spending 5,000 bucks on AdWords, why would I hire an agency for 12K to manage my AdWords? It doesn't make sense. So like I like to say if you're spending 50K on a month on paid media, you can hire us to, you know, optimize and scale those campaigns. And then we do the backend segment, HubSpot, event tracking, all that stuff. Nice. Okay. Good job. See, that's, I didn't know the ops part. Like, and I've, I read all <laughs> your stuff and it. tweet all your things. And I did not know about the ops part. So I'm glad to know that now. Cool. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun to have you back and uh, talk a little bit more, make you uncomfortable talking about yourself, talking about your agency. Um, I, I definitely learned some new things today. I know Adrian did as well. I uh, did. Is there anything else you want to mention either of you before we sign off for the day? Where can people find you, Camille? People want to get in touch. Where do they do that? Twitter, LinkedIn, 42agency.com or 42 slash, spell the word slash.com. There we go. Okay. All right. Get that plug in. Yep. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you. All bye right. Bye.